0: Welcome to Omashay and uh, today we're going to invite Karina to that room to talk about her like graduate collection, her vision and her design process and her experience. So uh, for people that who don't know about Karina, like can you maybe introduce yourself a little bit, your background and everything you want us to know?
1: Sure, so I am a 25 year old fashion design student graduating this year and originally I'm from Russia, so I moved to England when I was nine with my parents. Um, and I got into art and fashion because when I was learning English, the best way to express myself was through you know, painting and also I do mm-hmm. on the side as well. So just doing things with my hands um, and yeah that got me really interested in fashion and art. And um, that's how I got onto the fashion print pathway specifically, so I can <laughs> do paintings and I can do really textural and um, intricate prints and stuff as well in my collection.
0: So yeah, that sounds really interesting. Uh, before I head up to like the uh, fashion and art that bit, I really want to know, like because I know that your work placements is really interesting. It's really different from like quite a few other like design students. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, sure. So I did my main work placement on Savalro, um, mm-hmm. which they don't take interns or students or anything like that normally, but I just ended up emailing a ton of times until they finally yeah. replied and were like, hey, okay, stop emailing us. Uh, you can come for two weeks, and I came for two weeks, and I kind of tried to prove myself to them because they only take apprentices, they only take people they know are going to stay in the industry because the industry is so small. Yeah. Um. But luckily, because I, you know, I'm hard worker, so I was working for kind of ten, eight to ten hours a day um, from sort of nine to sometimes even like eight nine when they closed and I would go around and ask the tailors and some of them have been there for 50 years and I mm-hmm. was in the same workshop that um, Alexander McQueen worked in so huh? some of the tailors knew him personally um, yeah. and I also learned some military embroidery there so really it was more like I would come up to a specific person I go can I learn this and they go yeah uh-huh. sure here's you know here's a canvas you can pad stitch here's some military embroidery this is how you, how it's done which is why it was an amazing workplace because instead of me being you know uh being sent on errands or like to get a coffee or like to you know so like hand sew a tag I was actually learning these amazing skills um which I know a little bit about I know it takes years to hone those skills but at least I got some learning experience firsthand and that was that was amazing
0: yeah. So you mean the military clothing is, 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 a, is almost a little bit like those like prints and like those like clothing, right? Like the red kid coat and the huge. Oh, wow. That's really impressive. So, I mean, what inspired you to like want to actually take the workplace myself and grow?
1: Well, it was a few things. The work placement before that, I was working for a celebrity stylist and I would go to the jewelry stores, which were right close to Salvaro. And I'd always mm-hmm. walk in Salvaro and I'd see mm-hmm. the tailors working because you can see, if you look down, them working in their workshops. And I, I was You so, mean
0: the, uh, the lower ground floor?
1: Yeah, the lower ground floor. Yeah. And I'd be like, I just want to be in that world. I, I yeah. really, because they just look like they are absolutely in love with their work and what they do which is, you know, reminiscent of me with my work because I I do really, really love what I do. Um, And so I really wanted to have conversations with them and talk with them and get to know them and also learn stuff from them. And that's what inspired me um, to kind of go on Salvaro. And of course it ended up being a huge inspiration in my graduate collection with the craftsmanship of it all and just working with your hands rather than using technology nowadays. Just working with your hands and making everything from embellishment to, uh, you know, my textiles um, with the hot blue. Um, I know we're going to be talking about my graduate collection later.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) A little, like, (laughs) teaser. Um, But, yeah, just working with the hands and just dedicating all your emotions and your passion into, you know, your work.
0: Yeah. So before I uh go on to your graduate collection i want to ask more que- uh, one more question about the your placement because that's really fascinating because i have no idea what it is so how it is like to work there what do you do normally in like in Row?
1: so uh you mean like what a normal day for me would be like
0: yeah yeah
1: okay so i would come in any any time really um so i'd come in between nine and ten quite late but i'd stay late um yeah. And then the um, I would work, so they they have head cutters who cut Uh um, and who take measurements of the clients and uh, pick the cloths um, that they're gonna choose and do a suit in, like a lovely wool, cashmere, whatever. Um, And then they have the undercutters, which are like the apprentices. So I spend Uh time with them because they would be teaching um, me everything that they've learned so far from the head cutters. And this would be like the cutting, kind of studio workshop and adjacent to that would be the tailoring workshop who would be um actually making the garments so the cutters would cut the cloth and i'd have to transfer it between one workshop and the other i mean it's it's just two different rooms um sure and i'd also be in charge of doing all the trimmings so in a suit you have things like shoulder pads you have collar canvas uh you have melton which is like a felt kind of wool thing that goes yeah
0: to put it underneath yeah
1: yeah yeah exactly um, and then a ton of canvas like canvassing to met horse hair canvas, like all these things that all go in the suit Um, and obviously buttons and and things like that as well and thread and buttonhole thread. So much stuff.
0: So what I'd
1: have to do is I'd have to cut everything correctly and of course because it was the bespoke suit um, department Mm -hmm. so everything was completely unique to each customer. I'd also have to do these typewritten labels which were again unique with the customer's name and who made the clothes which was you know i love that um and i'd all have to pass that on that would be like the daily job but then when i Uh had time i would then wander around and kind of learn skills and learn i learned how to make my bespoke jacket and i actually ended up making my bespoke jacket um because i come in on saturdays as well
0: um do you know how to like do like the pattern without having a block already just like use because i saw a lot of
1: i mean i was taught how to do it i probably Uh Now I need like a few pointers, but yeah, I was taught how to do that. It
0: is so fascinating. When I see people do that, I was like, oh my God, I want to be one of that kind of people <laughs> that we can just like draw the pattern out from like a small, like a chalk thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just a set of measurements and then you sort of tailor them to the person's um, body. And actually a lot of what I've learned is um, everyone's shoulders um, mm-hmm. are, you know, A little the- different. <laughs> they're different and um the way you know the way you sit the way you slouch or whatever um and the savile Row picks that up and you're fitting so they see how you naturally stand and they cut the jacket exactly to so the pattern is uneven basically
0: which Mm -hmm. is yeah
1: excuse me because normally it's like oh it's this is the center front and this is like symmetrical but it's not there at all
0: oh that's very interesting so um you said that like uh, your workplace may influence you a lot about on your like uh, final collection uh, I've yeah can you tell me, tell us a little bit more about your final collection
1: sure so craftsmanship obviously I've mentioned before um, and I love I love time-consuming things I have clearly a lot of patience because <laughs> I love making really intricate and time-consuming things and Salvaro is a great example of that because each suit takes you know like a, a Three weeks to a month to make um, mm. so from that I thought in my final collection I am going to use some of the techniques that I learned and it was you know something basic from like button how to sew on buttons properly for a bespoke suit jacket which sounds yeah. silly you know you do sew buttons and it's not hard um, but for me it was kind of all the different lengths of the button of the shank of the neck of it um mm-hmm. it's completely unique to each jacket. And it was, to me, it was complicated enough. So I was like, right, I'm gonna do some buttons. And then there was military embroidery and I was like, I need to do um, something with Russian, um, Russian braiding, which is the braid that you do. Yep. And um, then there was also the pad stitching, which kind of looks like embroidery. It's the zigzag lines that you put on the mm-hmm. camera. So it was all these techniques that I kind of learned that. And I was like, I need to somehow show them on my collection and um just kind of do you know like a ode to to these beautiful techniques so then lockdown happened and um i couldn't you know a lot of the printing and things that i could do any i couldn't do anymore so i had to find different uh-huh. ways and that's where i started experimenting with things like hot glue, matchsticks because i could just order them to my house and yeah you know it was easy and i could still kind of show the matchsticks, sort of like the stitching um, mm-hmm. that I had in the pad stitching. Oh, so okay, yeah. They're very, and then I made some uh, polymer clay buttons as well, um, because I worked with buttons so much on Salwaro, I was like, I have to, uh-huh. I really want to make my own buttons and do a whole garment, which is adorned with these um, clay buttons.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's how it came about from Salwaro.
0: Sounds interesting. So your design approach is actually from this craftsmanship. So, like, is there any like other vision that you have it towards your like uh final collection, for example, or like your previous collections?
1: Uh, what you mean craftsmanship in my previous collections?
0: Or yeah, I mean, just wonder like the whole in general, like the intake of how do you get inspired to create your whole collection.
1: How I get inspired, okay, (laughs) so this is gonna be, um, yeah, this is probably one of the weirdest answers, but I don't do twirling, Mm -hmm. right, so I I don't understand it, I can't do it. When I think of something in my head, I have to make it, and this is the final garment. So Uh honestly, it's the weirdest thing, like, it's easier for me to say, you have to make a garment in a week, you have to do it now, think of a design now, and something will pop in my brain. So it's always been like with all different projects and all the dresses and all collections that I've ever made. Well, I have, this is my first technical collection, but like, you know, the piece that I've made before. I always find that first kind of, if it's a three week project, first two weeks for me, I will be sitting around with a pencil thinking, what am I doing? And then the time pressure when it comes to it, final week I'm like right let's make this and Mm -hmm. in about like 10-15 minutes I will think of the idea I I honestly I can't explain how how it works in my brain but things like and then I'll do like a quick sample but that whole thing of university students you know spending like a month on a project and doing sampling doing research materials which I can't do that I'm so bad at that yeah in my brain uh, the idea right now and i'll do it and sometimes it works really well other times it doesn't but that's you know that's that but i've, I've never like materials research designer research i've i've never been uh good Well, I, I can do it but i'll never use it for my projects
0: yeah so it's almost like you sort of kind of draw like your design in your brain or like in your mind about how it could be like so it's almost like you got like all the inspiration from your daily life ish, and then you just use that as like just I don't know how like think about it how how it was how it worked the best in your brain, and then you got your final yeah. Outcome.
1: It's a subconscious and process because um, like sure there are designers I like. You know I love Daniel Rose Bruce Gaffarelli. Um, I really really like you know what Gucci's Gucci's doing at the moment some of their stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are people that I can say, "Oh, I like their designs." I love, obviously, Alexander McQueen. I love Tom Brown. Like all these people, but
0: yeah. I don't.
1: You know, I don't look at their work and think, mm, "Like, oh, you know, this is going to influence my my designs." It's more like, um, you know, here are some matchsticks. What can I do out of them? Like, ah, okay, putting them into forms, um, or like, you know, I'll see a really nice textile, and so it's just really random things that
0: like it got inspired by the items
1: and yeah so it doesn't have to relate to a topic or a theme or like i'm doing this uh, like cool. all different random things that i'll take photos of that don't seem relevant at the time and then i'll look back and i'll be like oh maybe i can use something like this
0: oh i love that i mean that's that 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 that's really fascinating it's almost like you use the garment to express yourself in a way of yeah, like the
1: definitely yeah, yeah. that's really
0: interesting so that's a little bit like artists. I mean, you said about like you care really a, a lot about art and craftsmanship. Like, can you tell us a little bit more about your ideas towards that art and craftsmanship and design fashion in general?
1: Sure. So um, I've also just kind of remembered that, uh-huh. you know, you talked about inspiration, what inspires me. A lot of the work, the way I describe my work would be aestheticism. I'm yeah. a huge fan of that movement and just sort of, art for the sake of it being beautiful and for the uh-huh. sake of like without it having a specific like political or any of those kind of messages just making it um, and that's where craftsmanship for me comes in hugely mm-hmm. because um, well it's just it's, it's kind of like therapy you know making this stuff and taking loads of time to do it and then creating something that people can go wow this took a lot of time um, that's, that's why I do all the stuff that I do
0: Um, yeah i i i love the idea because i mean i used the internship is all like uh sort of kind of texture based it it is really time consuming but when you actually have the outcome it was almost like an rp in a way so yeah i love that so um how do you think about the future of craftsmanship
1: well hopefully it'll stay alive (laughs) (laughs) because i mean listen technology is great and it's clearly evolving, it's developing, and technology can do pretty much everything that a human can do now, especially with sewing and all that stuff. But I feel like when it's done by a person, it just feels completely different. and Each garment is unique and that kind Mm of, you know, it's like a painter, we're still gonna have painters hopefully in like 400 years who paint things, even though a painter can do it for them now. But there's just like an element of like authenticity and just feeling more personal, like each thing. So that's why I I really hope Salvaro and Salvaro is slowly dying away because it's just things can be reproduced so quickly and, you know, suits can be much, much quicker. But I think as long as there's like a group of people who are like in love with what they do and their their handcrafts, then it will carry on and it won't
0: die away. I think uh, I don't think it will die because I feel like, yes, I mean, now like technology is kind of sort of kind of on trends, like everyone like really focus on technologies they, they have like virtual fashion, whatever, right, that kind of thing. But in reality, I think like more and more people start to understand, like start to actually like pay attention on the craftsmanship, for example, especially with like COVID. Right now, like um, I mean the lockdown, a lot of people cannot go out and just start to make their things. Like just be be like, I don't know, like very like um creative to make the thing that they used to can get it in store and people start to understand that, Oh, like fast fashion is probably not really the best for environment. So they probably will start refocus on like, Oh, maybe we don't need that many clothes. Maybe like we can have some sort of kind of interesting clothing that actually take a little bit longer time to make, or the materials that are more important than we thought. I think that's like, I mean, that's my own own personal idea. I don't know It's that can't be like the actual ideas of like other people's, but I think that the craftsmanship is really does really is important. So, I mean, you said about craftsmanship, like, do you think it in some way that future of craftsmanship can merge with tech, for example, or merge with like evolve? How, how, How could it evolve in a way?
1: I mean, obviously, you know, things like laser cutting, you can do drawings, you can do hand drawings
0: um, mm-hmm.
1: and prints and things and have them laser cut, and that's kind of like a merging of two worlds, right? Um, and yeah. in your 3D printing, um, you can still draw up your model, whatever you want, or the jewelry, um, and it will still have that element, I guess. Mm, that's yeah. The way of, you know,
0: it's almost like Aries Van Herben. like her work, a lot of the time that she used 3D printing, but at this, in the end, they still need to be sold by hand to the garment itself. So it's almost like, yeah, I, I, I think that's really interesting. So um, how about your Met Gala dress?
1: my Met Gala dress that didn't didn't make it to the Met Gala but was uh you know um it was
0: featured
1: yeah exactly so that's that's all that matters um so yeah I was this was like the other half of my year where I was meant to travel to New York to Uh assist stylist Jason Rembert, and he does a lot of he's amazing he's one of my favorite stylists um Styled, you know Ezra Miller's look with uh, the eyes and the corset for the Met Gala,
0: yeah,
1: um, like a suit, and he did like uh, Gigi and Zayn when uh, Zayn had like a metal arm. And,
0: oh, um, oh yeah, I remember that.
1: And, yeah, so he's done loads of kind of really really big big people and like really really cool looks. Um, So I was going to start, anyway, long story short, I was was going to go there and I couldn't go because that was when the first lockdown happened. Mm. Um, And I was going to assist exactly for the Met Gala with him. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, when I was stuck at home and Vogue posted this challenge of, well, Met Gala's cancelled this year, Um, why don't you recreate at home your favourite past Met Gala looks? And you have a week to do it in, which is perfect for me. Because like I said before, I'm like, I need a week. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't sit around and think, oh, what am I going to do? So, um, yeah. And I didn't want to make a look at a fabric because I wanted it to be huge. And I didn't want to waste that much money on it because it was just a week. Yeah. And like, if it wasn't going to be featured, you know, like I didn't want to spend a lot of money on it. And I had a pack of red paper lying um, mm-hmm. often, like in my, work studio on the floor unused for literally probably eight to ten years it was there it was so old um and i was like you know what it's time i used it Uh
0: so
1: i bought a little bit more paper but really i think i spent about 30 pounds on the whole project on that whole drag so yeah
0: Yeah.
1: most of my money went on glue uh glue sticks because that's what i used to glue the paper on um, and yeah, cause it was red. I had to pick a red look. So that was kind of really pre chosen for me. Um, and I picked Cardi's cause it was, it was so huge yeah. and it was really complicated. And I was like, great, uh-huh. my patience again. Um, and obviously it had all the feathers and embellishments. Um, so I was really, I was just, it was a challenge for me to kind of think how can I recreate this in paper? Um, and I worked 12 hours a day for six days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started posting on TikTok and that's when it started kind of going a bit viral. And I got like 300,000 views in, you know, from one video in a couple of days. So I was like, okay, well, I'm getting somewhere, you know, this is this is good, this could be good. Um, yeah. And then I posted it on the day that you had to kind of post it and then Billy Porter put it in his story because he also, he kind of started the challenge with Vogue. So he was mm-hmm. one of the main people and um, then Vogue got in contact with me and then the Met Museum, got in contact with me and they were like we want to feature you and we want to interview you and like it was great but like when it was the Met Museum for me that was you know because I'd love to yeah. have one of my goals to have my work shown there in one of their exhibitions at some point uh-huh. obviously I really want to attend the Met at Gala itself um, and design for for some of the stars that attend it so that was kind of the, the big the big thing for me um, and after that I tried to reach out and tried to make the dress go viral as well and then the BBC featured me and did an exclusive wow exercise, which was really nice um and that was that was that whole dress and actually I'm so happy I did it because it was during that time where like we all felt a bit too motivated because we were like what's happening um and it really helped get me through lockdown and yeah doing doing that all and it also helps inspire me for my collection because I ended up using also DIY-like materials for my collection.
0: Mm. So um, it's almost like you are creating the recreating a dress with your art, like craftsmanship. It's also it's still like art craftsmanship in the way. I think that's really cool. So what do you think of you? Okay, because you're about to graduate, right? So what do you want to? What's your vision after you graduate?
1: Well. Um, I'm going to, after I hand my work in, I'm only going to hand in three or four looks for my graduate. Mm-hmm. So over the summer, I'm going to be kind of working um, and making more looks for that graduate collection. Because now that I have, you know, I have whole glue matchsticks, I have felt, I have shapes, I have prints, I have all these different things. And I, you know, I feel like that collection is not all made up of three looks. It, it should be made up mm-hmm. of all, all those ideas. Yeah. I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to hopefully be making kind of 10 to 12 looks um, in total. Um, and I'm going to try and find a way to showcase them in fashion week. That's kind of the big goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the Met Gala is now happening in September. So yeah. I'm going to pop off to New York and see if I can, you know, shadow uh, whether it's Andrew Bolton or, or someone who whom I can learn from as well and be involved somehow um, in that Met Gala. Um, And then in February, I plan to launch my, I guess, officially my my label. So
0: that's wow. That's very that's very excited. Like all the plans that you want to do, I think. So in a way, your brand or like what you want to do in the future is almost like couture in a way, is it or is?
1: So I want to do mostly. I want to specialize in bespoke carpet, red carpet wear, and bespoke Mm -hmm. garments, which are obviously unique. Like we said before, I mean, it sounds pretentious, but like art pieces, like each one of them. Yeah. Um. But then I also definitely, you know, you, ha- you have to make money some way. So, because yeah. <laughs> cause it takes so long to make these pieces. I also want to make a demi couture line of. Oh, mm-hmm.
0: ah, yeah. Um,
1: so it's not like ready to wear, but it, it's more like exclusive than that. But it's still more mm-hmm. affordable than having like a bespoke. Mm-hmm.
0: bespoke. Oh, I love that. I love that. So yeah, that sounds like art because you are really like we love you love like uh, art or craft oriented kind of thing. And then you actually like continuing doing the uh sort of kind of inspiration from your life roles and um uh, and making it into some sort of kind of couture or semi-couture. I think that's really interesting. and very excited. And what you're doing right now with a hot glue, I think that's really interesting. And I mean, it's almost like using hot glue to create this kind of like new texture or like, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, And it's recyclable
1: because you can
0: use hot glue. You can put it back into hot glue. Always oh, so, that's very interesting. I love that. I mean, I never thought that you could do that, but wow, I mean, that's really good things to know. So, oh, that's great. So the last question is, something new because that's a whole like topic of the issue so can you tell us something new that you learned you experience or whatever this day
1: sure so um this is a lesson that i'm going to forever repeat to, mm-hmm. to you in, in like every single person who asked me this question what i've learned,
0: or learned yeah you
1: know um when i was in Salvaro and i was trying to make my bespoke jacket yeah I do say I'm a perfectionist and I kept telling the head cutter, who by the way, I didn't even mention he's he's an iconic man. He's called David Taub, and um, he's known as like one of the best cutters on Salaro. But mm-hmm. I was telling him, I was like, I need this to be perfect, I need this to be like looking like the best thing I've ever made. And he kind of turned around to me, he but he, he laughed and he was like, Why why do you want it to be perfect? And I was like, What do you mean why do I want it to be perfect? I want it to reflect, you know, how well I can do the work. He was like, yeah. you reach perfection if you make something perfect. The only road is downhill from there, like, because you can't beat that. And then yeah. was thinking, I was like, you know what? That's such a good idea. And um, I've now really applied that to my collection and to probably my entire life. It's the best mm-hmm. advice I've probably ever received from a fashion um, fashion guru um, that whatever you make it's not about it being perfect it's not about getting you know every stitch perfect it's about just you know doing the best that you can and just loving and being in love with your own work and perfection is silly
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i love that because in some way not being perfect is another way of perfect you know I me? Mean? because I mean, in some way, I love this kind of like sort kind of still little touch, human touch in every single thing. And like being imperfect, so most like sort kind of enhance that to make it more perfect. So, yeah, I love the ideas. So, yeah, I think it is really good. I like, learned so much from you today from like the experience from your friend's silver and like Mac dresses and how you want to do in the future. I'm really looking forward to that. So thank you very much for coming today to have this uh, interview with me and then have a little talk. I learned so much.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very honored. So thank you.